You're listening to Bloom in Tech with David Bloom. This podcast sponsored by Fabric Media in Venice, California. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Bloom in Tech, where we pick through the rubble of the collision of technology, entertainment, and media to unearth a few gems of worthwhile conversation about where we are and where we're headed. I'm your host, David Bloom, and as always, I'm so thankful you've joined my little adventure for a little while. If you like what you hear, please rate, review, and share it to the millions out there who still haven't somehow discovered all our audio goodness. You know, it's been a rough time for social media, from last week's live stream slaughter into Christchurch New Zealand mosques, to dismay over the technology's cultural and human impacts, to political calls for corporate breakups and tighter regulation. But every once in a while, stories come along that remind us of the sector's power to create unlikely stars who cobble together a huge audience out of thin air while creating cool stuff that makes money. Such is the case with Critical Role, the long-running web series on YouTube and Twitch. The show features a group of real-world pals, all actors, sitting around a table playing Dungeons & Dragons, the dice-heavy game about adventures and orcs, kobolds and balrogs. Now that hearty band of pals is setting records on Kickstarter, raising $7.5 million in less than two weeks, they're at about $7.7 million now, to create an animated series, The Legend of Vox Machina, built on the characters and stories from the series' hundreds of hours of gameplay. Sam Regal, a voiceover director and Critical Role cast member, told me that it's gone beyond their wildest expectations. They'd hoped to maybe make enough to make a two-part introductory animated pilot for Vox Machina, But it quickly, uh, as he said, it quickly became apparent the fans had other plans for us. Now they have to figure out what they're going to do. You know, as unphotogenic goes, D&D might be right there at the top. Gameplay has little in the way of pretty pictures. The game's long-running success depends on players' imagination, interaction, and the storytelling improvisations of a particular game's dungeon master, who creates a scenario and functions as this omniscient demi-deity come referee overseeing the tales unfolding. At best, you might have some small cardboard uh, things that function as dungeon walls and tiny pewter painted characters that settle, that uh, stand in for your character and the monsters you may be running into. But out of such unpromising visual materials can the interwebs fashion unlikely coolness. The Kickstarter campaign launched March 4 and surpassed its original $750,000 goal in just 40 minutes. A $1 million stretch goal was quickly posted and even more quickly surpassed. Since then, the loot has continued to roll in like some super treasure chest unlocked deep in a dungeon at the climax of one of Critical Role's adventures. Along the way, Vox Machina set Kickstarter records for an animation project. It's important to remember how unlikely this kind of runaway success is on Kickstarter. Yes, we've heard plenty of uh, success stories. Some $4.1 billion has been raised on the crowdfunding site in the decade since it launched, according to a recent study by The Hustle. But barely a third of Kickstarter projects, 37%, actually reach their fundraising goal and are thus able to keep all the money they raise, the study found. Successful projects of any type raised a modest average $23,000, For projects in the film category, that average is far lower at $13,000. So the Vox Machina project threw the Kickstarter equivalent of triple sixes, a critical roll of the dice indeed. The original show stacked up 373 hours of weekly gameplay videos in Campaign 1 that are still posted on YouTube. 
where they've attracted 29 million views. New episodes play live on Twitch every Thursday night, followed by an on-demand version on YouTube. Episodes of the animated series will be built around an original storyline before segueing to material from one of the most popular parts of Campaign 1, the Briarwood story arc. Veteran TV screenwriter Jennifer Muro, who's done Star Wars, Forces of Destiny, and Spider-Man, will fashion the storylines into more compact animated episodes. Titmouse Studios, the Emmy-winning production company behind Netflix hit Big Mouth and several other shows, will create the animation. The voiceover cast will include all the critical role members, an easy decision given that their day jobs, for the most part, are as actors who do a lot of voiceover work. Critical Role already has spawned half a dozen other web series and created a Vox Machina comic book with Dark Horse, successful enough to lead to an ongoing comics series. Now comes the question of where the animated series might run when it's delivered next year. Regal said, we don't actually know where this thing's going to be shown. We're going to make it as high quality as possible and hope someone picks it up. I'm not too worried about them finding a distributor. We're in the era of peak TV, where fierce competition among distributors for shows that come pre-marketed with a definable and ardent audience are hot commodities. That's pretty much exactly what Critical Role has created. I particularly love this little success story. A long time ago, in a land very far away, I was a shy teenager in a new high school, yet again, who somehow stumbled across a couple of equally geeky guys who invited me to play a new game called Dungeons & Dragons. It had just been launched a couple of years earlier. Every day at lunch for that whole school year, we played a little bit of a campaign. I moved away again after that year, but continued to occasionally play Dungeons and & Dragons and its thousand descendants wherever I landed in life. Three decades later, my son became a fan of the game, now in its fifth edition and owned by a subsidiary of a subsidiary of Hasbro. Now in his mid-twenties, my son still regularly treads the trail that D&D first blazed to create new worlds, imagine stories, and connect with friends new and old. It's helped him build relationships, understand narrative storytelling, and unleashed his plentiful imagination. At its best, and it can sometimes be hard to remember this, social media also has allowed millions of others to do the same in wildly varying ways and through countless outlets. For me, that's the true treasure unearthed here, both for the critical role band of friends who turned a tabletop game on a Thursday night into a budding media empire, and for all those fans who tune in every week to watch them play. Stay tuned, if you would, after a word from our sponsor to hear my conversation with the guys from Critical Role, Travis Willingham and Sam Regal. We'll be right back. Thanks to our sponsor for their support. And now here's my conversation with Travis and Sam of Critical Role. Give a listen. We're all together. We're talking about the joys and wonders of D&D. And I was merely telling Travis and Kat that I... I am old school D&D. I haven't played in many years, but my son now plays. But I was playing back before they had different number editions. They just had D&D. And wow. I was playing on, you know, Avalon Hill games, you know, war, you know, war games and SSI when they were doing their stuff and all that stuff back when I was a teenager a thousand years ago. So anyway. <laughs> So Critical Role started in a rather unlikely, but a rather modest fashion, I guess I would say. 
And you guys did over 300 episodes. Is that right? How many episodes did you do on YouTube? That's right. We did 121 in-canon episodes, 156 total for our first campaign with like related one-shots and everything like that. Okay. All right. And it was really just the most, it was, it was just, but it was just like people playing the game, right? To be roll tape basically for a couple hours. Isn't that how it worked? That's right. Yeah. Sam, you yeah, and it started with us, um, yeah, it's, it started with us playing at, at home, uh, and then we started broadcasting it, not knowing if anyone was going to ever want to watch the show, because D&D can be, can be long and boring, mm-hmm. but, uh, mm-hmm. but people, people got hooked on the stories and the characters, and they started watching. And yeah, it was, that, it was always number is accurate. Sorry, that okay. 300 number is accurate of the... Uh, the hours that we put in before that, <laughs> before that season was over with, I think we were north of like 350 <laughs> hours of gameplay. That, but that would be still a recorded experience, not a, you weren't live streaming like on Twitch back then, were you? Not in the very beginning. Yeah, we, I think, Sam, correct me if I'm wrong, I think we maybe played, I don't know, I'd ballpark it at eight to ten games at our home game with several months in between before we ever, ever were live on Twitch. Maybe maybe more like 15, but yes, when we were just playing at home, there was no cameras. It was just us hanging out, playing at home. When we started to broadcast, it was always on Twitch. It was always a live experience, and um, the episodes eventually made it to YouTube, but, uh, but, it, but it's always been a live improv performance, basically. Right. Yeah. So as we speak, you all have raised several million dollars in less than two days? Is that right? What's the what's the current numbers? Well, we're in our third day now, but I guess we're we're over the uh, we're over the forty eight hour mark. So we are. I think we're like at five point. I have a phone here somewhere. Yeah, three? it's bananas. Last we, night, last I checked, yeah. it was five point three. So and that oh, was in right. less than two days. Yeah, less than two oh, days. Sure. Yeah, it's uh, it's beyond our wildest expectations. We were we were hoping to be able to have enough money to make one one episode of animation, a pilot. Maybe if we got lucky, a, a two part pilot. You know, like a forty four minute uh, introductory episode. But very quickly it became apparent that uh, the the fans had other plans for us, and now we're over the moon with the results. But now we have to figure out how much money we have and, and how many episodes we can make. I mean, we could, we, we we're going to be making a, a cartoon series now, not just an episode. So um, right. it's a lot harder than just writing a single story. It's like, holy crap, we won. We won. <laughs> uh, right. Now what do we do? Right. You know, it's like you, you yep. won the lottery uh, a little bit. It's a little bit like that with Kickstarter. Uh, but now you have to figure out how you're going to spend it. So instead of uh, just going into CBS and selling the the pilot, you've sold. The, you got a straight to series order, and now he's like, "Oh man, <laughs> didn't count on that." Yeah. So yeah, where the, where the bigger I'm bigger sorry. deal? It's a bigger deal. Where would this run? What's the plan, or what's the the next step for you guys? Right. So we initially made this with the intention of saying, here's a half hour of what our show would like. We had, you know, what it would look like. We, we did some pitches. And as you know, as a D&D player, you know, trying to pitch someone on, hey, it's a, it's a show with a story we came up with in our minds. And it's, 
it's incredible, but you really need to put it to animation to see how incredible, you know, to see how incredible it is. And so mm-hmm. we left a few of the meetings with people kind of scratching their heads and we said, okay, look, we need to, we need to do it ourselves. So now that we have beyond just this one episode and we're, we are closely approaching the stretch goal that'll allow us to make six. You know, the goal is to go to all these distributors and say, look, the, the audience is there. The fever is there. We had an original story that we were going to put into one episode, maybe two. We could stretch it into three if we were really lucky. But man, all that got smashed in about seven hours. We're going to tell that original story still. But what we want to do is get right into the Vox Machina storyline that we spent over 300 hours playing. Right? We've already we know where the characters are going to go. We know where their arcs are. We know where their ups and downs are, where the villains are. It's, it's already done. We just need to dive into that first arc and start showing them what the beginning of the telling of that tale will look like. So if we if we cross this 5.7 million dollar threshold then we will you know potentially have the first four episodes of this Briarwood arc that we know fans have been hungering for in in the same way that we've been dying to make it saying, but, but to answer your question we we don't actually know where this thing is going to be shown right now we know that we're going to make it and it's going to be super high quality animation audience for it but honestly other than where it's going to be distributed. And so our, our job right now is to just make it as high quality and, and awesome as possible and hope that someone is smart enough to pick it up and put it on <laughs> their broadcast network or, or streaming service or whatever. Yeah. And say, so, you know, listen, they obviously wanted this much. Let's make, let's make more. So at the very least, we're preparing to release it ourselves, however that may be, whether that's online if we look at maybe some theatrical releases we don't know everything is out in front of us we're kind of waiting to see how the the world at large responds like sam said and if not then we'll figure it out how we how we get it to the fans ourselves and this is fascinating to me that you're able to do this in a fairly short time i mean that they were able to to jump on this in a fairly short time frame it has to be quite heartening for you guys i would think very much so yeah we i mean we we did ourselves a favor by letting the fans, our fans know about two weeks in advance that it was coming. Um, I think right. uh, our, our excitement was obvious, but they were able to sort of be waiting for that, that Monday morning, you know, but they're, they're everywhere. They're all across the country. They're across the world. They're in different time zones. So we saw it surely, you know, we'll over a couple of weeks, we'll start to see, you know, what, <laughs> what sort of a target we'll hit. And I think mm-hmm. we, most of us hadn't even, you know, put clothes on or, or gotten out the door we're still sitting there with, you know, soggy cereal in front of us, just staring at this number, just skyrocketing and going, what, what, the, what the hell just happened? Yeah. Well, soggy cereal will have that effect on you. I think one of the things that's interesting here is, is you're saying you will, you will build an animated representation of what you guys were playing through with, you know, a bunch of D and D guys probably dressed, I'm sure in your usual stylish fashion of D&D players sitting around a table, taking that and saying, let's do an animated thing. It's actually the events that are playing out in your head, in your imagination of the Balrog shows up and ruins everybody's day or whatever it is. And you're going to play out that arc with those characters that are known and loved. And, and the story's kind of been written. It, or at least the story arcs have been written by the DM sure. and the players as they played it through. And you're going to kind of, but faithfully track that in what you're going, you're planning to create. And you've got to attach real dialogue, but it's a, it's a story that's been made. That's, yeah, that's correct. It's we, very we similar. Kind of like a, It's like adapting. Oh, a, sorry, go ahead, Sam. I was going to say, I think exactly what you were going to say, which is we, we look at it like, uh, like the game of Thrones books. When those got translated to the screen, they took 
Uh, they compressed scenes, they expanded scenes, they added characters, they, uh, they reduced characters. It's the same overall story, the same scope, the same uh, story beats and heroes and villains, but it'll be adapted for, for, uh, for the medium that, it, that it's in. So obviously we can't have a cartoon that lasts four hours and is interrupted by, um, you know, uh, pee breaks and stuff like, like our game was, <laughs> but, uh, but, but our, but our cartoon will be compressed and amplified to be, you know, an exciting, humorous version of, of the stories that we told over, over weeks and months and hours. It'll all get smushed down into the most thrilling 22 minutes we can, we can squeeze out of it. I think if we're breaking records, we should just go ahead and work in like a mimosa break to our episode. Don't you think so? No. <laughs> I like I it. I was thinking more like a Manhattan or a margarita myself, but sure. hey, each their own. Sure. Who am I to judge? I mean, you know, it's just me. Uh, but I do find this interesting that you're going to do. So so do you know who your animation services provider would be? Do you have that kind of stuff lined up? What's your background in animation? We do. Um, uh, I can speak to animation. Yeah, yeah we were working with Titmouse, Titmouse Studios uh, here in Los Angeles. They have studios up in uh, in Vancouver and New York as well. Um, Chris Pernosky is the uh, owner, you know, going to be the showrunner essentially on the show. He's a, He himself is a D&D fan, has been for 30 plus years, has himself a, an eight-year uh, game that's going on here in, in Hollywood. So we, we met with him and being fans of, you know, big, big mouth on Netflix, Venture Brothers, Metalocalypse, you know, all the stuff that they work on, we knew that we were in, in good hands with like-minded folks. Sam can, can give you a little bit more about his animation that he is in everyday animation world. Yeah, we, so we go, um, uh, all, all of us are, are voice actors who work in animation and video games, sometimes commercials, anime. We've been doing uh, cartoon voices between, between a lot of us for decades now. Uh, I also happen to work in voiceover animation as a uh, voice director. I work for Disney, Netflix, Cartoon Network, DreamWorks, all, all the big names in animation as a voice, voice director for their cartoons. So it's something that I'm around all the time. And But for, for really for all of us, we have a lot of experience on the acting side in cartoons and animation. Having seen the process from an actor's point of view, having process now from a voice director point of view we've never animated anything like we're not professional animators but we know how the process works and we're confident enough to know obviously how to tell a good story that resonates and i think with partnering with a, a powerhouse like titmouse i think we have all the tools that we need to, to make an amazing show we've also hired a, a writer an amazing writer jennifer murrow to, to help craft the story she has a lot of animation script writing experience between a lot of us, we're, we're pretty confident that we can do it. It's just a matter of finding enough hours in the day to do that and our voice acting work and our critical role work. Yeah. Right, right. So you're going to continue the thing that got you guys going. You're going to continue yep. your day job and you're going to do For this sure. as your, apparently your midnight to 5 a.m. job. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The goal is to not sleep by the beginning of 2020. Right. That's yeah. a perfectly rational goal in Hollywood, but it does seem to make sense that a dungeon crawler adventure would be done mostly in the middle of the night. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And certainly a D and D game running in the middle of the night is not unheard of uh, in the annals of yeah. that thing. The other thing that I find interesting is that, you know, um, D and D has been around for a thousand years. Do you have any issues over 
you know, it's a bunch of rules, but, you know, uh, Wizards of the Coast, I think, owns it now. I mean, are there any copyright issues or any of those kinds of things for you all to be able to do this? How does that get worked out and all that stuff? Right, yeah. Certainly Wizards of the Coast owns all of the Dungeons & Dragons IP, and they've been fantastic people to work with for the for the live show. You know, we're big fans mm-hmm. of theirs. The, the feeling is mutual. But for this, it's really just telling the box mocking a story, right? It's not a it's not a Dungeons and Dragons cartoon per se. It's going to be mm-hmm. you know the adventure in our world, our characters, you know, our gods and deities, our villains, uh, everything that was unique to the story that Matt Mercer crafted on the show. So they're they're involved, yeah, but they're they've done their part. They, they, yeah, they're not they're not they're not really involved with the cartoon. It's it's more it's it's a fantasy adventure comedy store a uh, story. Mm-hmm. Set in set in a, in a unique world, and honestly, we 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 don't want to bog people down with rules and and dice rolls and stuff like that. We just want to tell a, a great, exciting adventure story. And if if they can see, you know, echoes or notes of of games they've played in the past, at tabletop role playing games that they've played in the past, that's really cool. And we want those fans, obviously, but we also want to attract people who have never rolled the dice before and who have never played any role-playing games we want them to to be into the story just as much as the hardcore critters either of you all have any experience in kickstarter or other crowdfunding uh, campaigns <laughs> in the past you know i think i think no. our 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 gm our game master matt mercer uh had some previous experience with an indie project that he did and he came out of it going like man i don't know crowdsourcing it can be a little can be a little gnarly. There's a lot of pitfalls. I don't know if it's really what we want to do. And I, I think I called him about two or three hours into the beginning of our Kickstarter campaign. I said, are you still hesitant about the campaign? And you're like, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, there are a wide range of experiences in there. For sure. Yeah. And it, it, it is not, uh, it is not an easy thing to pull off. There's all sorts of rewards fulfillment and, and making sure you're not getting inundated with, you know, too much, too many things going to too many backers, but, you know, we have a fantastic team over here at Critical Role. Our, our staff has, has been absolutely amazing in making sure the infrastructure is in place to support such a explosive Kickstarter. So, you know, we're we're really confident we'll be able to keep everyone up to date, you know, throughout the entire development process. We'll be providing updates and behind-the-scenes looks and all sorts of exposés over at Titmouse about what it's like working with them and really what it's like bringing an animation process or an animation series to the forefront, you know, all along the way. So we're, we're excited about that. How, how does this fit in with everything else you're trying to do with a critical role? I mean, you've, you've got programming that you guys are putting out on Twitch and on YouTube still on a regular basis around tabletop role-playing stuff. What else do you guys have out there? What else do you have up your sleeves? Where are you going with all this? exploding the brand of critical role is something that we've always been dreaming about doing. We've, we've, we took our first step with that, with the dark horse comic book that we have, the box Machina origins. And when, when dark horse partnered up with us, we were thrilled. We didn't know what to expect from that either. And then it ended up being a record shattering comic book, right? It has the most amount of digital downloads for dark horse on their digital app, but comiXology it was on the bestseller list for each of the first six issues. And that just, kind of made us take a step back and it certainly caught dark horse's attention as well. But then we said, you know, there's really more of a mainstream audience here that I think these stories are able to engage, right? The person that doesn't know anything about our live stream game. So the live stream will always move forward. We're, we're in our current second campaign of the mighty nine. The stories there are completely different. It's a 20 year time jump from the story that relates to the box Machina characters. 
And Dark Horse has been so excited with the success and results of the comic book that we are starting an ongoing series with them. So it's going to be a monthly thing that goes forward and keeps telling those origin stories of the Fox Machina characters. And in the coming months, we will be able to roll out some uh, surprising new things that we're going to be partnering with Dark Horse as well. So between the live stream, the comic book, and this animated series venture, we are tickled, thrilled, right? We couldn't, we couldn't, be, any, couldn't be any more pleased. You are now officially a multi-platform media corporation. From, from, your, word, from, your, yeah, from your lips to God's ears. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Great. All right. Well, congrats on this. Don't spend it all in one place. So I guess with Tip Master, we'll be spending a lot of it in one place. Well, congrats. Thank you, guys. I thank you. Yeah, thank, thank you so much. Remember, don't actually use the $100 bills to light your cigars. That's not what they're there for. <laughs> um, no, that, we're going to use that to buy the Critical Role Pleasure Barge and also to purchase <laughs> land in Corona, California for the theme park. That's, that's what that's for. Ah, out there <laughs> by, the the, uh, by the state park. Oh, yeah. Oh, did I and not my son, Oh, well, too late. My son actually LARPs out there, and you guys would know what LARPing is. He goes LARPing out. Oh, yeah, sure in the corona area sometimes so uh which seems a little more hardcore than i've ever had to be on this sort of thing but you know he loves it so great so anyway thanks guys i appreciate it and that's our show thanks as always for listening and thanks to my sponsors for their support remember if you like bloom and tech please give it whatever thumbs up sort of review and rating your platform of choice allows and share it across the digital universe. Those sorts of things really make a big difference with the inscrutable algorithm popularity device. With your help, someday I can be like Travis and Sam and make millions of dollars playing games every Thursday night or something like that. I really love what I do and I love the the chance to share it with you. Thanks again, everybody. This is David Bloom for Bloom and Tech, over and out. Thank you.